0: My judicial philosophy is straightforward. A judge must be independent and must interpret the law, not make the law.
1: Three days of intense questioning and political squabbling will come down to a key vote this week to determine if Brett Kavanaugh will become the country's next Supreme Court justice. Hello, I'm Lindsey Brown. And this week for Tom Houser. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle got their chance to state their case for and against Brett Kavanaugh this week and ask him his positions on everything from abortion to immigration to executive power. As Tom Hauser reports, day one started off with a demand from Democrats to delay the hearings.
0: You're out of order. I'll proceed. We
1: cannot possibly move forward, Mr.
0: Chairman. I extend this hearing, a very warm welcome to Judge Kavanaugh
1: to his wife, Ashley.
0: The disruptions of the hearing began with Senate Democrats demanding a postponement, including Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. Mr. Chairman, I agree with my colleague, Senator
2: Harris. Mr.
0: Chairman, Judge we received
2: 42,000 documents that we haven't been able else to review last night, and we believe this hearing
3: should know be
0: postponed. Within minutes, the hearing was in chaos,
2: Stop, Stop
0: with some in the audience removed. How Mr. Chairman, if, if we cannot be recognized, I move to adjourn. The American people. Mr. Chairman, I move hit to hit adjourn. To directly from Judge Kevin Ryan later this, uh-huh. this is the first confirmation hearing for a Supreme Court justice I've seen, basically, according to mob rule. Although there were still periodic outbursts throughout the day, Most order was restored. Republicans kind of claim nominated. it was all political theater.
4: And tellingly, we've heard very little
3: today from Democratic senators about the actual substance of Judge Kavanaugh's judicial record.
1: Our democracy is on trial. And for the pillars
0: of our democracy and our Constitution to weather this storm, our nation's highest court must serve as a ballast in these turbulent
1: times. Now, during the hearing, Senator Klobuchar repeatedly asked Kavanaugh about his position on executive power. What about a president who commits murder or if she jeopardizes national security?
0: No one's above the law.
1: Meanwhile, the New York Times published an email that reportedly shows Kavanaugh in 2003 discussing how Roe v. Wade could be overturned, writing, quote, I'm not sure that all legal scholars refer to Roe as the settled law of the land. Can you think of any laws that give the government the power to make decisions about the male body?
0: I'm not a, I'm not a thinking of any right now, Senator.
1: The Senate Judiciary Committee could vote on Kavanaugh's nomination later this week, with the full Senate following shortly after that. If confirmed, Kavanaugh could join the bench when the Supreme Court reconvenes on October 1st. Republican 8th District congressional candidate Pete Stauber is coming under fire for allegedly using his official government email to communicate with a key GOP group. A public records request by the Star Tribune shows there were 15 emails sent between Stauber from his St. Louis County Commissioner email address and the National Republican Congressional Committee. County policy states elected officials cannot use their official email to support their own political campaigns, other candidates or political organizations. Stauber's campaign, the NRCC, and the county have all declined to make the contents of those emails public Stauber IS RUNNING AGAINST DEMOCRAT JOE RADINOVICH IN THE 8th DISTRICT. A SPOKESWOMAN SAID Stauber CONTINUES TO BE FOCUSED ON VISITING WITH 8th DISTRICT VOTERS AND NOT GETTING DISTRACTED BY QUOTE DESPERATE SMEARS FROM THE LEFT. THE TRUMP ADMINISTRATION IS OPENING UP THOUSANDS OF ACRES OF LAND NEAR THE BOUNDARY WATERS CANOE AREA FOR MINING. THIS WEEK THE GOVERNMENT LIFTED A BAN ON MINERALS EXPLORATION ON MORE THAN 230,000 ACRES OF RAINY RIVER WATERSHED NEAR Ely. It was originally put in place by the Obama administration in 2016. The reversal could open the area up to mining companies interested in looking for copper, nickel, and other precious metals. Minnesota environmental groups are denouncing the decision, saying mining could destroy the pristine wildlife in the area. Supporters say the move could bring hundreds of good-paying jobs to the region. In Minnesota's third congressional district, Republican incumbent Eric Paulson is locked in a tight battle with Democratic businessman Dean Phillips. Plenty of Democratic based groups will likely spend millions of dollars opposing Paulson. However, Republican groups will also spend millions supporting him. One of those groups has an ad on the air making claims about the impact of the tax reform bill Paulson supported. Tom Hauser puts it through the truth test.
5: The historic tax cuts are helping the middle class, and Congressman Eric Paulson helped make them happen.
0: A new TV ad supporting Republican Third District Congressman Eric Paulson comes from a political action committee called the Conservative Leadership Alliance.
5: The average family here is saving over $5,000.
0: This claim is true, according to some analysts. However, there's no way to know for sure until the next tax filing season. According to this tax calculator from the Republican-controlled House Ways and Means Committee, The tax cut will amount to $2,388 in Minnesota's 7th Congressional District that has the state's lowest median household income. The tax savings grow to over $5,000 in Minnesota's 3rd District, where Paulson is the incumbent. The 3rd District has the state's highest median household income. However, according to analysis from the nonpartisan website Econofact, large tax cuts that go to corporations are permanent. Tax cuts for individuals are set to expire in eight years. They do point out workers could benefit from higher wages and bonuses from companies paying less in taxes, but there is no way to guarantee the extent to which that might happen. But Nancy Pelosi is promising to roll back these tax cuts, taking away hard-earned
5: money from the middle class. If Pelosi gets her way, our paychecks are smaller and there's
0: less for retirement. It is true House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi opposes the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, but it's uncertain how repeal of the law might impact paychecks. This TV ad uses mostly truthful information. However, much of it is based on guesswork. Because of that, this ad gets a B on the truth test.
1: To see how we grade these ads, go to our special Vote 2018 page at KSTP.com. Class is back in session for students across the state. We caught up with Governor Mark Dayton as he greeted students and teachers at Carver Elementary School in Maplewood. He says despite last week's news that statewide test scores haven't moved much, he says he's encouraged at the approach various districts are taking to help their students succeed.
0: Pleased with what we're doing, I know I believe we're doing everything we possibly can. Early childhood education, the experts say, is the number one thing we can do to try to close the achievement gaps.
1: Now, this was Dayton's last school kickoff event. As governor, he is not seeking re-election in November. With students back in the classroom, Five Eyewitness News is investigating who is teaching your kids. Last year, we found the state issued licenses to teachers and staff with criminal pasts. Investigative reporter Eric Shily was found another teacher with a record that has been granted a license to teach and what some lawmakers are trying to do to close that loophole.
3: The state board licensed Carol L. Silas last May after she told them she had been convicted of wire fraud and tax evasion after embezzling more than $700,000 in 2010. Silas can keep working at Glencoe Silver Lake Schools as a junior high paraprofessional as long as she continues to make her scheduled payments for restitution and does not engage in any professional or criminal misconduct. She declined to comment, but in an email to 5 Eyewitness News, her superintendent wrote, We feel comfortable and feel fortunate to have her on our staff as she has done a great job helping students succeed. Last year, 5 Eyewitness News found the state board licensed more than a dozen teachers and staff despite having criminal pasts involving sexual misconduct, violence, drugs, and theft.
5: I think some of their calls have not been ones that most parents would make. They've allowed um, some cases to, to move through, some people to be licensed, in the face of some pretty egregious behavior.
3: State Representative Jennifer Loon says our investigation led her to introduce legislation that would kick out applicants with certain felony convictions, including theft. The bill passed both houses, but was vetoed by the governor in an omnibus bill.
5: I know that there's strong support in the legislature, so hopefully uh, next year we can make another run at it.
3: Eric Shalou, Five Eyewitness News.
1: The licensing board spokesperson told us they can't discuss specific teacher cases. They say they do look forward to continuing the conversation on licensing requirements during the next legislative session. Now, here's how you can search our database go to KSTP.com. You'll find the link in the story. All you have to do is put in a name to see if the state has given us any disciplinary records. You'll be able to find around 1,000 reports in a teacher and administrator database. Up next, Brian Melendez and Annette Meeks will be here for political analysis and see how the controversial Take a Knee movement is making its way into a key midterm race in our region. With the NFL season kicking off this weekend, attention on the controversial Take a Knee movement is picking up steam again. It started two seasons ago when former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick kneeled during the national anthem. He says he did it to bring attention to racial injustices and social inequality in the U.S. Well, now the movement is causing some controversy in the race for governor in Wisconsin. Eric Schlew shows the heated exchanges that took place on social media, and one candidate's response.
3: Republican Scott Walker tweeted Tony Evers' running mate says take a knee. Does Evers share that belief or does he believe that everyone should stand up for the national anthem? Out of respect for our veterans and service members, it's above Mandela Barnes. The Democratic Lieutenant Governor nominee's tweet of take a knee posted back in the winter. Walker's Lieutenant Governor tweeted about Barnes. In fact, Wisconsin neighbors have told me that they have seen him do exactly that. Barnes typed... Now you're just lying. He shared a pick wearing a Colin Kaepernick jersey, the player who started the Take a Knee movement protesting racial inequality. Barnes and running mate Tony Evers took questions from the media after their Hudson event. We've
0: uh, been able to bring people together.
4: That's all we got time for today, guys. Look, Thanks. I don't need to ask you about this Twitter
0: feed no. you got go going I'm sorry, we got to get to You go. got to talk yeah. about the Twitter feed, right? Well,
3: after that played out, we still wanted to understand what was taking part on social media. So after several emails, Barnes later called me.
1: It was actually about his president, which is the funny part, because uh, Donald Trump did not know the words to the national anthem. Asked for any 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 right to peacefully protest. Uh, You know, as somebody who's been involved in a number of protests myself as an organizer, nobody should have their right to uh, a free speech taken away.
3: Eric Shalu, Five Eyewitness News.
1: Barnes' running mate Tony Evers echoed that as well, adding he stands but respects those voicing their First Amendment rights. Walker's campaign would only say he tweets his tweets speak for themselves, including one about honoring those who protect our freedoms by standing. Carlton College professor Stephen Shear told us he believes Walker used the tweets to fire up his supporters since midterms typically generate smaller turnouts at the polls. Time now for a political analysis. We're joined by Brian Melendez, former DFL party chair, and Annette Meeks from the Freedom Foundation of Minnesota. All right, my neck hurts a little bit. I think it's from Whiplash this week. The confirmation hearings with Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court nominee, it's just, it's been one thing after another this week. Let's first talk about what stood out to you in terms of what questions senators asked of him and his answers. Brian, let's start. Well, you
6: know, the the Democratic senators who are asking the questions are going for the traditional points where where Kavanaugh can be criticized. Um, Executive power, which is an especially important issue in this administration. Uh, abortion rights, which is an issue in every Supreme Court confirmation. but a lot of it is theater on both sides. The Republicans have the votes to end up co- getting him confirmed if that's what they want to do, and nobody peels away, and it doesn't look like anybody is. Uh, the Democrats need to make these points in order to make their record, but they're going to lose the vote at the end of the day unless something dramatic happens before the vote.
1: Well, Annette, are they making points or just causing theatrics? Well, it's just causing
5: it's all these confirmation hearings for about the last 20 years have just become a bigger and bigger political circus, and that's really a disservice to uh, not only our court and the justices that eventually serve a lifetime appointment but also for why they're doing it which is as Brian correctly stated they're just trying to turn out their bases and get people fired up for the 2018 elections what a shame these are not we're not appointing Supreme Court justices to make laws we're appointing them to uphold the laws and give a fair appraisal of justice to everyone and this gives them such a taint after they go through this horrendous confirmation it makes process. you wonder
1: how Americans REACT TO WHAT THEY'RE SEEING RIGHT NOW ON TV. Um, A LOT OF CONTROVERSY AS WELL SURROUNDING THOUSANDS OF PAGES OF DOCUMENTS THAT SENATE DEMOCRATS SAY WERE RELEASED AT THE LAST MINUTE PRIOR TO THE HEARING AND ALSO THOSE THAT HAVEN'T BEEN RELEASED. DO YOU FIND THIS A BIG DEAL, guys?
6: I do find it to be a big deal because we should, this process ought to, occur, ought to occur in complete daylight. There's no reason to hide any of this information. I suspect none of the, none of the information in the documents that haven't been released is going to surprise anybody. And at the end of the day, probably none of the votes are going to change. So, so why even make an issue of it at all?
1: The well, only concern here is that um, Republicans say more documents have been released on Kavanaugh. Than the previous five Supreme Court nominees. Exactly. This is just part of the whole
5: circus. That oh, they didn't release the documents. Oh, they released them at three o'clock in the morning. I The bottom line is, you're you're supposed to be judging him on his judicial temperament, not on something he wrote 20 years ago when he was serving a previous presidential administration. That was his job then. This is his job to come, and that's what we should be concerned with, not something he wrote 20 years ago.
1: I'm hoping the two of you can give me some clarity on the situation with. Senator Cory Booker and uh, the whole issue with some clearance the night before, saying these things weren't cleared. He says this was his closest moment to an I, to an I am Spartacus moment. <laughs> I think a lot of people were left confused when they found out these documents were cleared.
6: Sort of cleared. Um, He he actually had called and gotten permission from one of the authors of one of the documents. Um, It's not clear that, uh, I I think the Republicans have a point as well that that he did not have, uh, he didn't go through the appropriate channels to get the information released, but it did get released.
5: I have worked there for 14 years, and I was listening to this debate yesterday going, I, I can't even follow this. But most importantly, this was Senator Booker setting himself up to run for president in 2020 again. Not what they should be holding these hearings about. Should be talking about the nominee, not about furthering their own political ambitions. A lot of head
1: scratching going on yeah. with that one. All right, let's switch gears here. The Trump administration opens up the potential for new mining exploration. What impact could that have here on midterm races? And this isn't a partisan issue. We have it kind of going across the board here in the state.
5: Well, I think it's a great victory for Minnesota. I think that responsible mining can coexist uh, and provide those jobs with preserving a pristine environmental uh, uh, surrounding the the, uh, BWCA, and I think that's what most people want. And I think this is a decision that should be left to local governments and local elected officials, not to bureaucrats and not to special interest groups all around the country that have rallied to to stop this.
1: And like I referenced Representative Paulson, a Republican. He does not support this. He's spoken out against it. What does that do for the party on this issue?
6: Well, you say that it's not a partisan issue, and and it is true that there are Republicans on both sides and Democrats on both sides of this issue, some of them with very strong feelings. But it is something that's going to affect how people vote. So it is something that matters, and and, uh, for once, it's an issue that is not about are you a Republican or are you a Democrat.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for all of this take on what a busy week it has been, and it's not going to end. So That's much right. more. All right. Up next, Brian McClung and Catherine Tanucci will be here for Face Off. We'll discuss the fallout from both the anonymous op-ed and Bob Woodward's new book, Inside the Trump Administration. We will be back in two minutes. Time now for Face Off. We're joined this week by Catherine Tanucci, former press secretary for Governor Dayton, and Brian McClung, former communications director for Governor Palinti. ALL RIGHT, TWO BIG BOMBSHELLS THIS WEEK. DO I EVEN HAVE TO TELL YOU WHAT THEY WERE? WE ALL KNOW, RIGHT? Uh, THE BOOK COMING OUT DETAILING THE ALLEGED INNER WORKINGS OF THE WHITE HOUSE AND AN ANONYMOUS OP-ED IN THE NEW YORK TIMES. OF COURSE, THAT BOOK COMING OUT FROM BOB WOODWARD. ALL RIGHT, DID ANY OF THE REVELATIONS IN EITHER ONE OF THESE REALLY SURPRISE YOU? WHAT ARE YOUR THOUGHTS ON
2: THAT? NO, I DON'T THINK SO. I MEAN, LET'S START WITH THE WOODWARD BOOK. I THINK WHAT YOU LOOK AT IN THE WOODWARD BOOK IS THAT, UM, that a lot of this we've heard about before and that different aides are trying to kind of massage things and, and help the president, give the president good advice. But for most Americans, they're not really going to pay that much attention to it. I think that this is, the feelings about what's happening in Washington, D.C. and the Trump administration are baked in. And so I don't think it's going to change anybody's perspective. The White House has pushed back really strongly on some of these pieces. Some of them just seem very fantastical. I mean, the idea that a senior administration official, is, that Gary Cohn is taking letters OFF THE PRESIDENT'S DESK. That's, THAT'S HARD TO BELIEVE. SO SOME OF THIS is, HAS ALREADY KIND OF BEEN DISCUSSED AND I DON'T THINK IT'S REALLY GOING TO CHANGE ANYBODY'S MIND.
1: WELL, NO DOUBT IT'S GOING TO SELL. WOODWARD HAS CLOUT. Um, PEOPLE ARE GOING TO WANT TO HEAR THIS JUICY STUFF.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and it may be hard to believe, but we're talking about a a credible reporter here who has worked for decades covering politicians in the White House in Washington, D.C., and we have no reason to think that this has been fabricated. Now, do the president's senior aides lie? Perhaps. I think what's 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 shocking in some ways is how consistent the narrative has been since the start of this presidency we've seen former aides attorneys to the president leave and either be indicted or turn around and write a tell all book that is Incredibly unflattering to the president and it is reason to be concerned I think we need as a country to to not be numb to the shock of this because this is is truly truly um, terrifying thing you just have to
1: wonder for Americans how much this is going to matter though I mean Woodward's also on CNN what Trump calls the fake news network do they really actually respect his judgment. You have
2: to look at who Woodward was talking to and who then is kind of portrayed in more favorable light, right? So the people that are talking to him are trying to set up this version of history so that it portrays them in an okay way. And so I think people kind of Understand that and look at it, and they then have their doubts about the rest of some of it.
1: All right, let's move on to the anonymous op ed in the New York Times. There is some criticism that it was anonymous. For example, a media expert with the Pointer Institute, that's a journalism ethics training group, wrote in a column that this op ed could change journalism and could uh, hurt
4: journalism during a time where there's already low public trust of the media.
1: So was this op-ed
4: worth it for the New York Times? I think it was incredibly risky for the New York Times. On the one hand, if we find out, and in this day and age, it's hard to keep a secret for too long, and I do expect we will know who the author is at some point, and if it is a truly a senior administration official that the public has heard of before, this will be a real blow to the president. However, if it's a someone, it could be a staffer in an agency that's technically a senior administration official, but not someone that the public looks to as that spokesperson, I think that will be a blow to the New York Times. I think they went out on a limb and took a real risk with this, and and, and we'll we'll see what happens. Does it play more into his claims of swamp?
2: Well, yeah, and, and to Catherine's point, THERE IS NO TITLE IN GOVERNMENT, SENIOR ADMINISTRATION OFFICIAL, RIGHT? THAT IS ON AGREEMENT BETWEEN THE NEW YORK TIMES AND THE PERSON WHO SUBMITTED THE OP-ED. SO WE DON'T KNOW WHERE THAT PERSON IS IN GOVERNMENT OR WHAT THEY COULD DO. Um, And I think ultimately, though, it's gutless for that person not to put their name behind it. They should say who they are. If they're going to make those charges and make that case, they should stand up and do that and do that in a public way and resign and let people know that just hiding behind that anonymity is not helpful. If they want people to know that this is what's going on in the White House and that there are people who are working to... Kind of massage and navigate things, that's understandable. But I think, I mean, I think that it's gutless not to put your name behind something like this.
1: And we do have to wonder. We will probably find out who this is, if it is someone, very soon. Thank you so much for being with us. That was a great face off. This year's State Fair was one for the record books. The plans to make it even bigger and better when we come back. Welcome back. The 2018 Minnesota State Fair will be one for the record books. It was big. The fair topped 2 million visitors for the first time ever. OFFICIALLY MORE THAN 2,046,000 PEOPLE WALK THROUGH THE FAIR GATES DURING ITS 12-DAY RUN. Well, NOW FAIR OFFICIALS ALREADY HAVE PLANS TO EXPAND FOR NEXT YEAR. THEY'RE WORKING TO EXPAND THE NORTH END OF THE FAIRGROUNDS WITH A NEW TRAVELING EXHIBIT SPACE, NEW PLAZA, and BRAND-NEW RESTROOMS IN THE AREA. AND FOR THOSE OF YOU MARKING YOUR CALENDARS, THE 2019 MINNESOTA STATE FAIR KICKS OFF AUGUST 22ND. WE'D LIKE TO SEE WHAT YOU HAVE TO SAY ABOUT AT ISSUE. JUST WRITE TO AT ISSUE AT KSTP.COM. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Tom Hauser or Ad Issue. You can also find us on Twitter at T hauser KSTP. You can find me at L Brown KSTP. I'd love to hear from you. You can also listen to episodes of Ad Issue every week on iTunes and Podcast One. We have links posted on that Ad Issue page at KSTP.com. That is all the time we have now for Ad Issue. We'll see you back again next week for another edition of Ad Issue.